Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, this week, you know, we're recording the show. In last weekend, we had, and I had conducted the CRG certification. And I, it's interesting, you know, I, many of you know that I grew up on a dairy farm, and here I am 30 years in this industry, or just under 29 and a bit, from milking cows to uh, leading all-day or three-day retreats for professionals. And one of the things I just wanted to share with the listeners is just how powerful the three the CRG three-day certification has become. Is it evolved over the last 30 years? And specifically in the last 15 since I bought the company, it's now moved to three full days. And when I say full days, we start at 8.30 and we go to 10 at night. And one of the individuals, one of the participants who I've known for quite a while, just said, Ken, thank you for a program. He said, I had no idea how good and how deep and how significant CRG resources have been developed as far as that holistic model. You know, we're not just personal style, the values, the stress indicator, the leadership skills, the self-worth, the learning style, all these different tools, the Leadership 360, how job style compatibility. And so I just encourage that if you are looking to take yourself to the next level, if you are considering being able to serve others in any kind of professional manner, as a leader, as an HR professional, as a trainer, as a coach, as a consultant, that you would consider attending our next certification. So our certifications, we hold them three times a year at our CRG office. And if you do have a group and you want to host it somewhere in the world, then we can always talk offline on how to do it. But I just, from my heart, I mean, the privilege to be able to serve and to hear the feedback. And many of these have been to other certifications around MBTI or DISC. And just to say that this is so much better, so much deeper, so much more significant and holistic in its design that it's transformational for them. So consider it, think about it, love to have you join us as a guest. Well, this week we have a very special guest that's joining us and that's Christine Till. Christine Till and I have known each other for many years. She's an expert really primarily on LinkedIn, but if you listen to today's podcast, it will really be about her story of how she got into being a marketing specialist after being fired. You know, lots of times we have traumatic events that occur. So just listen to her story, join us for the podcast, and we certainly appreciate any uh, positive feedback or sharing that you could do on today's show. You will also get some tidbits about how to have a positive LinkedIn social media profile at the end of the show. We want to be able to share with you insights, stories, experiences, wisdom that help you move ahead in your life. And today is no exception. So I want everybody who is listening from Secrets of Success, if you could welcome Christine Till. Christine, welcome to the show today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, it's always exciting to, to have you on the show. And I know your expertise is really around marketing and helping people and really working in the space of LinkedIn. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but I, you know, share with the audience, Christine, what is your journey? How did you, where do you come from that you came into this space of helping entrepreneurs, individuals, professionals to realize the potential and do better? So just tell us that journey and, and where you come from so that uh, we can relate to and hear your story. Well, I was, I was working in the senior care industry when I was in Vancouver area. And I've been in sales and marketing for most of my life, my, my adult life. And started working for this senior care organization and I was selling the services. And the owner of the franchise I was working for took me and one of my cohorts to a big convention down in Omaha, Nebraska. And 
for he said there was some new research that had been done and some information he wanted to us to get so we went down there and spent three days and they talked about all the research they'd done and they said that their research showed that 73 percent of the time seniors make decisions the kids are involved and it's usually the gals but like the daughters the the daughters-in-law the granddaughters the nieces and but where are they at 10 o'clock in the morning when my boss wanted me to do a presentation at a senior center they're at work right mm. so i said to my boss when we got back i said we need to do online marketing now here's me talking this is in 2009 we need to do online marketing i was not on linkedin facebook twitter any of that stuff none of it i'm a boomer i didn't grow up with it so it wasn't my first thought to get involved with but when I listened to those talks in this convention and, and, and they, could, they, they showed me right there all their statistics, we needed to be marketing online because the gals are online at night trying to find solutions to ease their pain, being sandwiched between aging parents and their families and got jobs. So I talked to my boss about this and he said, well, I'm not paying for any online marketing. And I said, well, can, can I juggle my hours so that I can do evening presentations and weekend presentations because we have to read our, reach our target audience. 73% of our audience, our target market, is not getting our message. And he said, no, no, you've got to go out, shake hands every day. If you want to, fine, do it on your own time. So I did it on my own time. And my oldest son at that time was working as one of the lead programmers for Microsoft in Bellevue, Washington. And he said, well, mom, why don't you start a podcast show? And I thought, what's that? <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. Just as you're on right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, he said, you could call it an elder care show, <laughs> and you could be the elder care specialist. And I thought, oh, brilliant. Okay, how do I do that? So he actually had a podcast show that he'd been doing on the side just for fun. So he knew how to set me up with the podcast. But I was so scared of LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter that I read the entire terms of use for all three. Christine, you're the only person on the planet that I know that's done that. That's a really good week's <laughs> worth of reading, I'll tell you. And so in one day, after I'd read all that, I signed up on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, got my podcast system all in place, and I used LinkedIn to find people to interview on my show. And we talked about senior care issues and, and ways we could help seniors. And the very first time I published an interview, I had within 45 minutes, because I had my podcast show connected to all of the social media, the LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. So it all automatically went out to all of my social media as soon as I published it on my pod blog site. And within 45 minutes, I had a response from a gal on Facebook that said, oh my gosh, I had no idea something like this was available to help me with my 95-year-old dad. I showed my boss and he said, no, still refuse to pay for any online marketing. So the, the, the next few years, I spent on my own time doing anywhere from four to seven podcast interviews, and I became the elder care specialist, and my show was called Elder Care 911. Well, and of course, uh, I'm a boomer as well. I know everybody else that's listening that is younger. You have different uh, elements, but we're going through and have been going through exactly what you talked about. Our father-in-law passed away in January from that and we've been in the middle of all of these decisions that really have consumed the family for the better part of two to three years. So I get that about how much is involved in how your podcast would really have benefited the individual seeking information for that marketplace. Mm -hmm. And it is through my podcast show and, and the, the, it being broadcast through all the social media that I got appointments with families to come in of an evening or on the weekend and talk to the families about what their alternatives were, what their options were, how we could help them. So what do you, when, so Christine, you were talking about, you know, reading the terms of agreement, which of course, as I said, nobody else I know has ever done. What were some of the characteristics and qualities 
did you need to bring to the table? You know, the nice thing, Christine, is your son was really encouraging you. You know, he's in, in the generation where technology was sort of birthed into it. But what were some of the, I'll call it the, the characteristics and qualities you needed to embrace to kind of go into this direction for our listeners to encourage them to consider the same characteristics as well? Right. Well, I had to, I was determined to prove a point to my boss. And if I didn't have that determination, I probably never would have gotten on social media or any online marketing whatsoever because I was so scared of it. I had grown up, grown up without it, of course, and so I had no idea about it. So what do you, where do you think your fear of the social media space came from? What, what, what was the fear about? What were you concerned about? Well, I was afraid that people were going to steal my identity. That was my biggest fear. Mm. And yeah, so what do you do? You just, okay, you want to stay. So it was, I was, I'm from the, the boomers where we didn't want to use our credit cards online. We didn't want to even use the ATM machines. We wanted to do all our business face-to-face -face with people we trust. And one person one time said to me, so do you go to a, a restaurant and give them your credit card at a restaurant? I went, yeah. And they said, well, what do you think they do with that card? They take it and they go to the back and they swipe it on a machine. It goes online and does its thing. That's the same thing that happens when you use your credit card online through a computer. Now, Christine, for those that are younger that are listening, we didn't have the Wi-Fi wireless terminals that they take to your table. It used to be the card went to the back to a stationary place to run through the card. So we're even dating us on that one now, aren't we? Yeah. So when, so when you think about that, you got into this space, you were doing it in spite of your manager pushing back, you still took the initiative because you wanted to prove a point. Then what did you do after that? So you were, you were in that space, you're not uh, doing that now. So you transitioned from serving elder care into something else. So tell us that story. Well, we sort of seesaw Marjorie Daw the whole time I was with the, the company. Uh, the first six months I was with the organization, I was able to bring their sales up to the tune of 22,000 a month from 36,000 up to 58,000. So almost 40% 35 to 40% improvement in sales just by doing these strategies. Yeah. And then, but he still refused to pay for any online marketing. Well, then we got hit by the, the what was it called? The recession of 2008 when the stock mm -hmm. market went right. down. And then we lost a bunch of clients because they were afraid that their money wasn't going to last and they were, their money was, their investments were going down. And so we were back down at about 36,000 in a very short period of time. And then I worked the rest of the time I was there to get it up another 10,000 a month. And it was steadily climbing every month. It, the business was improving, improving, but we were only at, about 56,000, uh, between 48 and 56,000 at the end of 2010. And so by January of 2011, January the 4th of 2011, I walked into my office with my marketing plan in hand, ready to go for the new year, and was promptly invited to go in and sit down in the conference room. And I did not even have my coat off. And that's where he fired me. Well, wow. and what was his what was his justification for that? I mean, um, go ahead. So I hadn't reached his goals. He wanted me to have the sales at seventy thousand, and mm. but the way we were going, they were going to be at seventy thousand. Unfortunately, he just couldn't see that. I guess so. We agreed to disagree, and when they lay you off or pink slip you or downsize you, and they don't have another job for you, you're fired. It's just a way of glossing over the words and letting you get EI. And I thought I could get another job. 
And so I put a myriad of resumes out there and got four job interviews and one offer for $10 an hour. Wow. That just knocked your socks off, didn't it? Uh, the floodgates opened. <laughs> After you work all this many years and, you've, and that's all you're worth? Uh. So then I was talking to my son again. And he says, well, mom, you're really good at sales and marketing. Why don't you start a marketing show? Oh, brilliant idea. So I started a marketing show. And that's how the Marketing Mentress was born. And that's when, I think it was shortly after that, that uh, I was able to join you on your show as a guest, you know, nearly six or seven years ago. So, boy, does time fly from there. So it's interesting. And my encouragement around listeners here is what could have been perceived as a traumatic sort of permanent injury really redirected you into something that you are passionate about that you now control. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it led so, me to publishing my book. My book is Fired at 50, Stop Looking for Work and Discover What You Were Meant to Do. Mm, what meant to do. So what... When you think about it, and again, we will have really mixed audiences, and so we have some people that are younger and some people that are older. What's the premise of of the book as far as this 50 mark, and, and what were you discovering? What's, what's the insights that the readers would capture? When I didn't find a job right away, and I talked to my son, he told me about starting a marketing show, I used LinkedIn again to find people to interview on that show, and... I found out about networking groups in the Vancouver area. So I started going to some networking groups. And I looked around those tables and I thought, my goodness, 60 to 70% of these people have gray hair or they're bald. And I went, they're just like me. They're still having to work. They still have a mortgage to pay, a car payment. And they need to be still making a living. Either that or they're bored to death and they have to do something. But most of them, I could tell, were broke and they needed to be bringing in money. Mm. So then I thought, how can I help these people? And I watched people, how they, they weren't used to public speaking because you have to stand up and introduce yourself at these meetings. And I've been performing since I was three, singing and public speaking. And so it, it wasn't hard for me. But I, there's this one guy I remember. He was well into his 50s. He had his doctorate in philosophy. And he'd been let go from the university. And he showed up at this meeting with designer jeans, the, you know, the kinds that have the holes in the knees. He must have right. paid $200 for the jeans. And he had bright orange runners and a wrinkly polo shirt and he was trying to be what's that they call with the, the young guys they wear this they don't shave clean they still leave a little bit of stubble there oh, yeah the five yeah. o'clock shadow or something they call it right but when you have gray hair and you wear a five o'clock shadow your beard is gray and you look like you've been on a three-day binger and never shaved or showered for a couple of days so so what you're saying is his uh, pretend image management wasn't really positive towards the group. No, and, and, but I'm just using this as an example. And I saw a lot of people like this, that they, they didn't know how to introduce themselves. They were, and he, he stood up and said, I can do this and I can help you with this. And you just watch everybody's face turn off. And I, want, I went, how can I help these people? So I, I got a brainwave to start writing a book. And that's actually how my book started. I wanted to help people that were, and I called it Fired at 50 because I noticed that people that I met at these networking meetings were all around 50, all around the 50-year mark. And then once I published my book, published my book in 2012, and when I started speaking with my book, I noticed people would come up to me, and one woman came up to me, she said, I was fired two days before my 50th birthday and somebody else two weeks after and two weeks before, 10 days before, a week before, right around the 50th birthday. And they couldn't understand why that was happening. So I started doing research 
And I found out that businesses are not, it's not ageism, like everybody's calling it ageism. It's a business decision. They look at you when you're 50 and they think, okay, how long is your health going to last? And the older you get, the more you're going to use our extended medical program. So my medical costs for my program are going to go up. If I keep paying you the wage that I'm paying you and you get sick on me, then my medical costs for my extended health care program are really going to soar. And I could hire two 20-year-olds and afford to train them and keep the, the 50-year-old on long enough to train the new 20-year-olds 20, and then we'll just get rid of that position so it's no longer there and then the 50-year-old has no place to go so they'll just be conveniently laid off, I guess. And I mm. saw that happen time and time again. And I also read some statistics in 2012 that showed 30% of new businesses being started in Canada were being started by people over 50. And that's still pretty close to the case now. There's a lot of people over 50 still starting businesses. But a new statistic I found, just I'll put a little sidetrack in here. Sure. Four out of five businesses being started today in Canada are being started by women. Isn't that amazing? So a real shift. 80% of businesses are now started by women. Okay. Any specific age or just all range of ages? It, it's a, it's, I don't know what the age range is, the exact age range. Now, the statistics I got were from Stats Canada. So people mm -hmm. can probably just go and look them up. Well, for those of you listening in the U.S. and other uh, countries, then that could be some, you could look at your own research there. But I imagine in the developed world, world that trend is occurring. So now you've gone and, and you took it upon yourself. So what did you do to have the initiative and courage to write this book? Well, I, I through LinkedIn, I, I found people. And I happened to go to one of these networking groups that I had found. And at that group was a gal who was a publisher. And I invited her to be a guest on my show. And so I, she came and talked on my show. And we had a really delightful time. And I learned all about what she did. And I had already started writing my book. And I didn't tell her at the time that... Afterwards, we had a little chat. She says, well, you know, I'm putting on a two-day workshop here in a couple of weeks. Why don't you come and just um, be my guest at this shop, workshop? So I said, oh, that'd be great because I've already started writing my book and blah, blah, blah. So I went over there. And by the time I left there, when I started that weekend, the title I had for my book was, get this, Enhancing Your Personal Marketability. <laughs> who's going to buy that book with that title? Anyway, she said to me, why don't we call it something about being fired? And so we brainstormed some ideas and out popped fired at 50. And well, fired at 55. And I thought, no, well, that 55 doesn't sound right. So we got to fired at 50. And then we had to think of a subtitle mm. that was positive, not negative. Because if you just have fired at 50, it's quite negative. And so then we came up with stop looking for work and discover what you're meant to do. And she gave me the whole, out, helped me put together the whole outline for my book and helped me with editing. And it was absolutely phenomenal experience going through all of this. I discovered in writing my book and publishing my book that there are about six different types of editing that you need to go through <laughs> to no, get a book. There's published. a lot in publishing a book. We get that, Christine. Yeah, it's just all kinds, all kinds for sure. When we think about, um, you know, the courage and you then you published it. So you were still continuing to build this marketing side as well, correct? That's correct. Marketing online is all about building credibility. And if you have credibility, then people will deal with you. They'll want to know more about you. But if you do not have that credibility online and they, they tend to overlook you, 
And the podcast show gave me huge credibility because everybody, everywhere I went, as soon as I stood and introduced myself as the marketing mentress, everybody knew, oh, I've seen, I listened to your podcast, you know, (laughs) so they, what you're doing is awesome. So yeah, getting all that out there, getting that information. Plus you have this verbal story, like we're talking right now, where people get to know you a little bit different than just a text email or e-zine or newsletter. So Christine, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And that is around, you are an expert around LinkedIn. And I know that I I talked to different people and some individuals said, you know what, uh, you know, Facebook ads are big right now. And that's where the place that they need to go. They don't really like LinkedIn because of its expense, et cetera, et cetera. So let's just back away from this and we're going to do not the beginner version, but first of all, you know, as a professional and most of the people listening to the show are professionals of some sort or another. Why should I even have a LinkedIn profile? What's sort of the core reason I should consider this? And if I do, then we can talk about the strategies to make sure that it's optimized and it's the best possible. So as a LinkedIn expert, first of all, why should I even bother with it? I mean, I've already got my Facebook. I got my family there. Why should I bother with it? There's five reasons why we need to be using LinkedIn. Number one, the average age of people on LinkedIn is 43 years. So you've got a more seasoned business veteran and somebody who's more established, better established in life, probably has a little bit more in investments and money stashed away and what whatnot, probably own their own home. The average income of people on LinkedIn, I just recently looked some statistics up and, and there were a couple of different researches that have been done. One said that the average income was around 83,000 and the other one said the average income of people on LinkedIn is around 86,000. So between 83 and 86,000 is what the average income is of people on LinkedIn. Do you know what the average income of people is on Facebook? I have no idea. 22,000 annually. Mm. And that's for people 19 and over. Right. Okay. So we have quite a difference in our demographics or our avatar of who the individuals are on there. Continue. And now number three, the average income of executives on like CEOs, owners, CFOs, HR directors, the the executives, the average income of executives on LinkedIn is 150,000 annually. Okay, and and I'm not trying to be facetious yeah, yeah. So I'm not trying to be facetious, but let's say my um, my client base is like other businesses. Uh, that's their personal income. How does this link into, let's say, B two B sales, or you know, I'm or I'm you know an individual that will sell to a business? How does that fit into this mix? Okay, let me finish my five points, and then I'll go into how it fits in sure. with the business mix. Okay. And so number four, so you've got the average age is 43, average income of everyone is around 83, 86,000. The average income of executives is 150,000. Everybody on LinkedIn is there to do business. That's number four. Facebook is not the case. They're not there to do business. They're there to be social. So Mm -hmm. everybody on LinkedIn is looking to do business of some sort, whether it's to uh, build their business or or get a sale or get a job. They're there for business. And number five is the biggest secret to LinkedIn that most people do not even touch. Most people don't even have one of these. And that is the secret to LinkedIn is in the group. When you're on the free platform on LinkedIn, you get 15, one, five free in-mails. Those in-mails are gold but you can only use them in the groups to, to, to direct message people that you're not connected to. Mm. So you use the group to be able to reach out for your ideal client. And you join the group that would, be, would possibly carry or hold the people that would be your ideal client. 
So for instance, if you're in the Vancouver area and you're a chiropractor, which is usually business to customer, right? Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is huge for you because you can use it to contact businesses in Vancouver to go do wellness lunch and learns and get clients out of that. And I, I can testify to that because I just was working with one of my clients this morning and she's a chiropractor. She's doing lunch and learns as a result of our connections we're getting on LinkedIn for her. She's concentrating totally on LinkedIn and she got a client. She did her first lunch and learn a week ago and then got the list. We connected with everybody that was at that lunch and learn on LinkedIn and always sent a message out with each one and got a guy came back to her this morning and said, hey, I've been fighting with arthritis for so many years. Can you help me? And they booked an appointment right there. Hmm. So she's, you get clients from doing lunch and learns when you're a business that is business to customer. So in the health and wellness area, it works beautifully. LinkedIn is supposed to be business to business, right? Right. So that was more B to that was more B to C. So uh, I've got this business and I still want to serve individuals. Okay. So then, what else do I need to consider then, as far as we have those five strategies in being in the groups? That's one of the ones there, or at least five uh, data points. What, what is it that I need to be considering as far as the importance of my uh, profile? Oh, you've got three seconds to make a great first impression. Three seconds. <laughs> the first second, you have to have a professional headshot. Your headshot's great, by the way. Oh, thank you. So you have a professional headshot. Then you have only your name goes on the name line. No BA, MBA, Lion, none of that stuff goes just your first and last name goes in that line. If there's more people with your name and you are a junior, you can put that on. They will allow that. Mm. I received an email a few years ago announcing from LinkedIn saying that they were going to start sending profiles to LinkedIn jail. In other words, they were going to be frozen if they didn't comply with all of the standards of LinkedIn. I see people going on there and setting up businesses as a profile on a profile page. There is a company page that you can set up if you want to have your business show up on LinkedIn. And then you need to know how to get people to come and like and follow your company page. You can also do it through setting up your own group. Let me just back up for a second, not to distract you. We have all those data points there that you talked about. Why should I care about, you know, I've got, I'm an employee, I've got a job now. Why should I care about really having a strong LinkedIn profile? Let's do that first and then come back to the strategies. Right. So even if you're an employee, I have, I've had this discussion many times with employees. If they have a stellar profile up there, what it does is it gives them credibility personally. So what happens if they happen to leave that position? If they have in their resume that they've, that they've placed on LinkedIn, they have that they work for XYZ company. XYZ company, when they put up their company page, LinkedIn goes and finds all the profiles of all the people that work for now or used to work for XYZ company. And then your name shows up on the XYZ company's page, their company page. So if your name shows up and somebody is happening to be looking for, so say you're in HR or you're an administrative assistant, and they're looking for somebody who's got experience, they will check your profile out. And if your profile looks really good, they're going to want to contact you. So there's another secret to LinkedIn, and that is who's viewed your profile. Mm -hmm. I've gotten so many clients out of that. It's unbelievable. Now, when somebody views your profile and you don't have them as a connection, what, what do you do? Do you reach out to them? Do you say hello to them? Do you try to connect? What do you do? Well, if you're, if you're on a free platform, my advice to you is never to connect with anybody you do not know because you can get your profile sent to LinkedIn jail. <laughs> 
I call it LinkedIn jail. Get it frozen. And how do you know if it's frozen or not? Do they tell you that? Or is it just uh, sort of like Google where they block you and they don't even tell you? They don't tell you. Just one day, all of a sudden, you can't log into your profile. Oh, I see. And it did happen to me at the very beginning because I thought all those people that LinkedIn says you may know, people you may know, I thought LinkedIn was suggesting that I should connect with all these people. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting there for hours going, quick, quick, connect, 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 connect. And then lo and behold, I go into my profile one day and I can't get in there. So I contacted LinkedIn and I said, what's going on with my profile? And they said, well, you need to prove that you're, you need to read the entire terms of use. You are not to connect willy-nilly with people you don't know. And that's part of the terms of use. And I read that in the terms of use, but they then they invited me to join these people. That's what I told them. <laughs> anyway, I went ahead and, and he said, you need to print out the entire terms of use, scan it, sign it, sign it and scan it over to this email at LinkedIn and a copy of picture ID, either a passport or a driver's license. Because what? we want to know, yeah. Well, this sounds this is, sounds like the KGB or something like that. I was shocked. I was really shocked. So I always warn people to make sure you connect with people that you know. Mind you, if people want to connect with me and I don't know who they are, if they do not have a headshot, I will not connect with them unless I know who they are. Hmm. And there are ways that you can set up your profile so that your headshot does not show. But if you want to build a good reputation and look like a center of influence with 500 plus connections, you better have a headshot that shows up so that people will connect with you. Yeah, it's interesting when, you know, I'm um, not an expert on LinkedIn, though our, our uh, profile is in, rated an all-star, is uh, I'm just shocked by people who have terrible pictures or no pictures whatsoever. So, uh, that, yeah, that headshot needs to be there. So when we're thinking about, you know, uh, optimizing uh, our profile so that it's just stellar and it just rocks out there, what are just three or four things that we can leave with the listeners, uh, Christine, for me to consider and to think about? Real quick. Professional headshot, name on the name line only, and your, your tagline, or not headline, needs to be, it, you get 127 characters in that headline. Use them all, and you put uh, um, CEO, straight line, speaker, straight line, author, straight line, and then a little blurb of how you help people that makes you stand out and look different from everybody else. So if you say realtor with XYZ Real Estate Company, you look like everybody else that's a realtor for that company out there. You have to differentiate yourself. You have to be different. So what would you, I'm your client, what would you say I do then? Well, with your head, I don't have your, your profile up in front of me right now. But you sit down with, take a look at my headline. I always tell people, go look up Christine Till and just look at my headline and what I've done with my headline. That'll give you some ideas right there. So mine says, LinkedIn expert, straight line, speaker, straight line, lead generator, straight line, blog writer for hire, straight line, more than leads, unleashing LinkedIn's true power. So you really want to talk about your expertise and what you can do for people in that tagline. Yeah. Okay. And so you look up other people. You can do searches for people on LinkedIn. In that little search bar at the top, you can search for people and find out and if you just type in people in that search bar and then click and then go to another page and then there's a choice where you can click on people and then there's the advanced search parameters that you can set up on the far right side. And you can mm -hmm. save searches so that LinkedIn will send you searches for certain type of people you're looking for. Check out some profiles and see what they're writing. Some of your comp people that are perhaps competition, maybe they're not, but they same kind of occupation. Yeah, what other people are doing in your space. Okay, great. So then what's next? Yeah, next thing is you have to have 500 plus because it looks like you're a center of influence. 500 plus shows that you have 
501, maybe 30,000. People don't know when they look at your profile. Mm. It just makes you look like a center of influence and gives you more credibility. And the next thing is you need a summary. Many, many people I see profiles on there with no summary. And you have some, something like 1,500 to, to 2,000 characters available to write a summary. And the summary needs to talk about who you are, why you do what you do, what inspired you to get involved doing what you do, and then mix in a teeny little bit of what you do in with there. And people want to know who you are. They want to get a sense of your personality and your personability before they want to do business with you. And that's where you can attach lots of pictures and videos. And at the very bottom of your uh, summary, you put your specialties and you list all your specialties the same that you would list further down your profile in your skills and expertise because it's for the search engine. It's not for the people that are reading your profile. It's all for the search engine. And so you want to make sure that you that's focused and that those are technically key words for LinkedIn's SEO. Yeah, so what, what are people going to search for? It's not just LinkedIn's SEO, it's Google and all the other search engines. They're on LinkedIn. They're going to all the platforms online searching for keywords. Fair so you enough. Think yes, what, that's true. what are people going to uh, type in that Google search bar? When they look for somebody like me, they don't know my name and they don't know the name of my company, what are they going to write in there? What are they going to type in there? Probably marketing expert, LinkedIn expert, uh, social media expert, uh, social media marketing expert. Could be all those different uh, words that we go. From there, um, you know, what are a couple other things? And then I have another sort of follow-up question to that that I need to consider that I need to do in my profile. You talked about video. So LinkedIn's just recently sort of updated that. Years ago, they didn't, that wasn't as friendly as, um, as Facebook. So now you can do that. What else do I need to consider? So that very top box is really key. So the way LinkedIn has it set up now is when you enter your experience and your education, the most recent experience and the most recent education automatically show up at the top of the list on your profile. So mm. LinkedIn's search engines or LinkedIn's cookie monsters will pick up the top one. You can actually go in there and rearrange your experience and your education. There's a little button that you can, you can if you hover on the top right corner of your experience, you'll see some little straight lines that show up. You left click on that and hold your mouse down and you can move that piece of experience down further in your profile and or move another piece up into the top so that that piece will be picked up and put up in the very top with your, where your headshot is in that first mm -hmm. block. And pull that in. Okay. That's right. Okay. Great. And then uh, what are, what are a couple of uh, mistakes people do in their, when you're thinking about LinkedIn and LinkedIn is really as a tool, I call it your uh, digital resume, you know, as a summary. But what, what are some mistakes that people do when you talked about, you know, not having headshot and not having this personal ability? And I do, I mean, there are some spammers that are on there trying to get you. But um, what are a couple other mistakes that people have when they, they build out this profile? When you are building out your profile, it's like a big networking room. LinkedIn is a huge networking platform. It's like you're at a big networking meeting. And you want people to see you in your best image, your best light. And if you just put, for instance, if you put your experience, you're listing your experience and your education, and you just put experience and education, and you don't describe what it is that you studied or what it is that you did at your experience, people have no idea really what an XYZ employee is, if that was the title of your, of what you were named at that company. So they would just clump you all in with what else they happen to know about those kinds of positions. 
But if you put a description in there, where the, there's a description box, it is huge, really huge. And then also, they, people need to know that they need to put all their skills and expertise that they put under their specialties. They need to list that down in their profile under skills and expertise where people can endorse you. Mm-hmm. And have you got time for a short, quick story? Sure. Um, when I lived in Vancouver, I got a, a direct email from LinkedIn inviting me to a big conference that was being put on in downtown Vancouver and the big white sales there. And I thought, oh, this is great. It was free. And I thought, I'm going to meet all these other LinkedIn experts. And so I went to this conference. And I got there, and I hardly knew anybody. I was, I was so disappointed that I didn't know anybody. But at the end of the conference, they had these two big screens on each side of the stage. There was my headshot. And they announced over the microphone on the stage, would Christine Till please come up to the stage? We have a special award for you. I went, what? So I went up there, and... They gave me a LinkedIn t-shirt, a LinkedIn pen, a LinkedIn notebook. It was awesome. And they said, we want to award you for having the most endorsements of anyone in British Columbia. I had no idea about endorsements. I was just accepting it. If people endorse me, I would accept them. But I was always really skeptical about endorsements. I thought it was a real sort of lazy way of writing a recommendation for somebody and people would connect with me and then the next thing I know, they would endorse me and I didn't even know them from Timbuktu, who they were. How could they endorse me? They didn't know me, but they did and I won this prize. So I, word to the wise, accept endorsements from people. If people are going to endorse you, accept them. And then, but if you're going to endorse other people, make sure you know a little bit about them before you endorse them so that you look more credible when you're endorsing those people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, Christine, I'm sure there's lots more um, details and we can get granular, but we don't really have time for that in the show. So, Christine, if, if people want to find out what you're doing, I mean, obviously you've already mentioned about your LinkedIn profile, but what are different ways that people can access and find out about you? Well, I welcome them to find me on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. It's MKTG Mentress on Twitter, at MKTG Mentress. And on, link, on Instagram, it's at MKTG Mentress, M-E-N-T-R-E-S-S, is how, you, how I spell Mentress, uh, number one. And um, on LinkedIn, just look up Christine Till and invite me to connect with you. I'm a lion, L-I-O-N, which means LinkedIn Open Networker. So I will connect with and accept connections for most everybody, except if you don't have a headshot. (laughs) Which means, okay, you don't exist. You don't have a camera. Come on, there's all that stuff that's out there. Now, Christine, if you were to leave... Uh, a couple of pieces of wisdom before the end of the show. And I'm looking for two streams here. One about, you know, what you did to go from being fired to following your passion. And two, uh, a single thought about how we should think about social media. So first of all, your overcoming from being fired and moving forward. What would you say to other people out there that are, you know, against the wall and feeling, having some difficulties? I was in denial when I was first fired. I thought, oh, I'm smart. I don't present myself like a frump. I can, I can be, get another job. And I didn't get another job. Then what can I do? And, and I had my son talking to me, but we don't realize how many emotions we're pushing back. We're burying. And I ended up having to work with two different life coaches to help me deal with my grief and loss. There is, huge grief and loss when you lose a job and a lot of people don't realize it and they try to ignore it so my advice to people is to find a really great life coach that you can that can work you through this and one who specializes with grief and loss grief and loss isn't about death it's about like death and dying it's about 
uh, all the other negative things that happen in your life, grief and loss, when you sell a house and move to another place, there's grief, there's a little bit of grief and loss over that. A little bit of you has been left behind in that house and in that job that you've lost. So I, it took me a full year to overcome my grief and loss. And I had no but you idea. you took responsibility and got professionals to help you. So and that's it was really... by accident. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not sure we, <laughs> you know, that, that what you needed came in front of you. So, uh, but you embraced it. You didn't, you, you didn't say no, you embraced it. And then second, what would be your, your tip, your top tip around social media in this whole space? All of those people online, all of those profiles that you see online are people. And we need to treat them like we want to be treated. We need to say hi and use their name and then have a body to the message and then sign off with your name so that they know who's talking to them, that they feel that people's names are so important to them and they, we need to use their names more and not just blurt out go to their profile and say, uh, I'd like to connect with you. You need to say, hi, Christine. I, your profile caught my eye. I'd like to connect with you. I see some opportunities for collaboration. And then sign it off warmly, Susie Q. You know, you just need to really realize that there are people on there. They're not just entities. They're, they have feelings. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I mean, it comes down to being personable and there are some spammers out there that are really kind of not taking that steps to be personal. So, Christine, thanks for taking the time to be on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored and tickled pink. <laughs> and hey, we, we uh, finally, after all those years, return the favor of you having uh, us on your show. So, those of you that have been listening, make sure that you reach out on to LinkedIn to Christine Till and that you would um, connect with her as far as growing potentially social media. Also, just borrow from her courage to step out. If you're one of us that are over 50 and you are facing some challenges along the way or maybe younger, it doesn't matter, then take some of the uh, insights, the strategies, the thoughts, the inspiration that Christine has left with you. As always, we thank you for listening to Secrets of Success podcast. If you like what we're doing, just share, pass it on, leave some positive comments in whatever uh, format that you're listening to, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. I mean, it just expands. And thank you again. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.